We are continuing our series this morning on more from the Mount. Remember, we got a lot of good stuff from the Beatitudes, uh, but I really felt like Jesus had more to say for us, right? I feel like there was more to the story that we needed to discover after the Beatitudes series. You can find all that online through the podcast real easily, and uh, you can also share that with friends and family so they can be encouraged like you get encouraged on Sunday mornings. But we are continuing this series, and there is a shift within the series now. When I was reading through setting this all up in the beginning and praying, just kind of like, God, what are you, what are you saying here? What, what was Jesus saying? What was the, the overall messages? What were, what were the things that he wanted to communicate to us that's important for us today? And, and when I was just reading through these things, you notice how we've kind of laid things out throughout this series. The first part of it was really an understanding of, of who we are in him, but also how do we operate in relationship with others? You know, and it's very important. You, you could see that again on the podcast and listen to those things, but it was important to see how we operate with others, right? And it's important because Jesus wanted to, to help us understand that, hey, you're salt and light. You're not just someone that will be my flavor in this world, but also like Anthony observed for us, which was great. You will help to preserve the life of others, which is awesome. And understand that we help to prolong and make others' lives better. So cool in that way that we are a light, that we can not be hidden, but we are a city on a hill. So Jesus is telling us these things, and he's telling us about the law and how important it is to, to have it in your heart. And he, he came to fulfill it, to live it, but we are too. And then he starts to, to change things a little bit, and he says, now, now let's talk a little bit more deeper. That's how you got to act with others, but what about how you act in relationship to me? And I think worship was so on point this morning in the way that it, it was moving us in that direction. And what I want us to think this morning, I want you in, in your, your mind's eye and your imagination. Now, you know, after the age of five, our imagination, our ability to imagine decreases like crazy. Why? Because this world stinks, doesn't it? We get let down, things tear us apart, and all of a sudden we can't dream anymore. We can't think about it. We can't imagine. But what I want you to do this morning with me, okay? Close your eyes for just a second, all right? All of a sudden somebody punches you in the face. We're not that church, okay? Close your eyes. <laughs> You're like, what's going on here? Something's going to happen. No, nothing's going to punch you. Nothing's going to come out of the ceiling and scare you. No spiders. No, anybody's just like, I'm out. I'm done now. No, with me, close your eyes and picture yourself, okay? Picture yourself sitting at the table with Jesus. Picture yourself sitting at the table with Jesus. I know in your mind's eye, you maybe have this picture of what Jesus looks like, okay? So you see him sitting in front of you. It's Brad Pitt with long hair. I get it, okay? But you see Jesus sitting in front of you. And you see him wanting to have an intimate conversation with you. Now, we know this, this Beatitudes, this Sermon on the Mount, took place in an open-air arena, yes. But we are today, for, for, for our conversation's sake, we are envisioning ourselves sitting across the table from Jesus, saying, look, this is how I want you to live your life with God. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me, disciples. Listen to me, people. This is how I want you to live your life with God, I'm going to tell you some things that are very important that you need to really lean into today. Okay, so are you there? Are you with me? You're at the table? You see him? Okay. So this is what he says. Let's start with something that is the intimacy factor in your relationship with God. If you haven't already fallen asleep, you can open your eyes. I know church is the best place where you get most of your sleep. But he's going to start with this thing called prayer. And I know you've heard this probably millions of times before, this Lord's Prayer. I remember when I was a kid and I played baseball, we used to pray every time before we would start. And as a kid, maybe you did that, maybe not. But he starts with this intimacy factor in our relationship with God. And with this intimacy, okay, comes 
conversation, true conversation, and true connectedness with God, not shallow infatuation. Are you with me on here? Not shallow infatuation. I said flat. That was fun. With that in mind, let's start reading. Follow with me on your screen. Remember Jesus across the table from you, speaking to you. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, remember sitting across the table, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, listen to me here, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. This is what he talks about. This is what he's saying. This is the script. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus across the table says, look, I'm going to give you a script. The intimacy factor is prayer. And I'm going to give you a script to go by. Some folks don't know how to pray. Some folks don't know how to communicate and talk to God. But when you have an opportunity like this and you sit across the table from Jesus and he tells you, here's some things that I want you to understand. So we're going to go through this prayer uh, rather quickly and then I'm going to help you understand some things. Our Father in heaven, listen, he's talking about a personal loving Father. You'll see these on your screen before you. Um, That is to be respected and revered. And he's talking about two things here. And you'll see this. He's talking about two things. All right. His kingdom which is to reign in our hearts, okay? His kingdom, which is to reign into our hearts. You'll see a little bit further down in those slides, these two points here. His kingdom to reign in our hearts and in this world and his will, which is his plan, okay? His plan, purpose, and design for our lives. He's saying, listen, I am going to help you understand this. Your father in heaven, that he has this kingdom that he's reigned. Did it already cut out? We're having a fun day with AV, guys. Just tune in to me, all right? We're having a fun day with audio video. It'll be back. This understanding that his kingdom and his will will be accomplished in your life. Second thing is this. Give us today our daily bread. Acknowledging, listen to me, that God is our provider and our sustainer. Jesus is saying, look, look to God. He is the one that will provide for you, and he is the one that will sustain you. Let me tell you about the conviction factor that I've had this week, understanding these things. We'll get into it more later. And understanding that he is our provider and our sustainer, right? Understanding that with God, provision is possible. Outside of him, it is merely impossible, okay? All right, you get what I'm saying here? Forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Asking and being forgiven, are you with me? Of the sin in our lives. Asking for forgiveness and receiving it, but not just that, but willing to do the same for others. That's hard for us sometimes, isn't it? Because we, we love forgiveness, but we don't love to give forgiveness because we've been hurt so badly. But he gives us the example. He sits across the table and says, look, you got to do this. Because we've been given grace, we must give it too. And we end with this thought here, be kind and compassionate to one another, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgave you. This thought process that we, we live this life with compassion. We're forgiving folks. We give temptation because Jesus doesn't do this, but we are people that give compassion. 
We give compassion to others. We approach the throne of grace. We receive the grace and forgiveness. And we share that which we have received with others. So he talks about this prayer emphasis and how important it is for our lives. He gives us this example of what we should live by and how we should pray. Have you ever struggled in your life and literally you went back to this? Anybody? I have. Because what it does is it puts him back in the right place of your life. You're leaning into him versus leaning into yourself. Because so often we can just sit there and be like, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. We can start with an understanding of who he is, what he's done for us, and how we can do the same for others. That he can sustain us, that he will help us, that he will provide for us, that he will take care of us, and we can do the same for others. So Jesus said, let's talk about fasting here for a little bit. Remember, he's sitting across the table from you. And he says, look, prayer is one thing, but fasting is another it's funny, you know, growing up being a youth pastor, growing up literally because I felt like I was a kid at most times, growing up in youth ministry myself, but also being a youth pastor. And this thing called social media comes along. We've talked about this before, right? I remember when we were in youth ministry and I would challenge my students to fast as well. I'd be like, look, let's, let's fast. Fast together to believe for great things. What do you think the number one thing they wanted to fast from? Facebook then. Even back in the day, what was that old, old one? So you guys still have it. See, that was a test, <laughs> right? Uh, they would, the first thing they would fast from is like some sort of social media element. And uh, now we know, we all know how much time that can take in our lives, okay? I think the average, the, the, the statistic was the average person spends over 200 minutes a day on their smartphone, okay? So you can tell it's probably a good idea to throw that thing out the window sometimes, okay? Um, but you think about fasting, and I'm going to share with you some quotes that will help kind of set the framework for this, Okay? Fasting in the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep. Yes. All right. Fasting. You see this. In the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep, your determination and intercession so intense, or your spiritual warfare so demanding that you have temporarily set aside even fleshly needs to give yourself to prayer and meditation. You see where this is coming out of? We talk to him, we pray to him, but then he wants to take it a step further and say, but I want you to give up more. Especially when you're going through difficult times, when you find these trials and tribulations. You know, when you get into these places, give up more because the more you give up, you'll see how much more I will come through. And he's talking specifically and especially about food in this instance. Second is this, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Anything it takes for the kingdom of God to be realized within our lives by Andrew Murray, Andrew Murray and Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. In Shane Tsai, hopefully I said that right, I found Chinese Christians who were accustomed to spend time in fasting and prayer. They recognized that this fasting, which so many dislike, which requires faith in God, since it makes one feel weak and poorly, is really a divinely appointed means of grace. Perhaps the greatest hindrance to our work is our own imagined strength. You hear that? Does that make sense to you guys? Perhaps the greatest hindrance to our work is our own imagined strength. And in fasting, we learn what poor, weak creatures we are, dependent on a meal in each church for the little strength which we are so apt to lean upon. 
Think about that. You think about the Chinese church and how the growth that they've experienced because of their hunger for God, even having to hide, right, to go underground for this faith to be realized, but so hungry. So Jesus is saying, listen, we're going to talk about fasting. Matthew 6, 16 through 18, you'll see it on your screen. When you fast, do not look somber as hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. You ever been around folks like that? You're like, what is wrong with you? Why? What happened right here? You know, what's going? Well, I'm in the middle of a fast, brother. It's like, well, you just failed, okay? It's okay. Listen, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to the Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, listen, guys, lean into this with me. You don't go out in the street and just say, I am the most spiritual person in the world. I am fasting today. You can see when you look at my face, I look like I am struggling for real. Put oil on your face. Oil of Olay if you'd like. It's great moisturizer. Put oil on your face. Hey, look, make sure you don't look like you're struggling. Make sure you look like you're thriving. Are you with me? That you are excited because you are taking ground in the kingdom. You are just calling down things. You are t- These things that have just had you bound for years or struggles that you're experiencing or financial woes or all these things. You're saying, look, I don't see it right now. But I do see this food. I'll give that up so that he can make the unseen happen. I'm going to call to the one who is not seen in this moment. He's in my life, but I don't see him. And I'm going to give up the things that are seen so that I can see the things that are unseen in my life happen. Because I'm willing to sacrifice. That's what fasting looks like in our lives. As you can tell, oh boy doesn't have an extreme habit of fasting in his life. Okay? An extreme habit of fast food? Yes. Fasting? No. Do we need that? Yes. More in our lives so that we can see him grow within us. Okay. So Jesus says after this, let me make sure I cover this first. Fasting is not meant to be an outward act. Rather, an inward change process. Fasting is not meant to be an outward act. Again, not to be put on display for others. Rather, an inward change process. Remember, the Pharisees fasted for the approval of others. They did this as part of rote within their lives. So others could say, look how holy they are. They fast weekly. They must be amazing. No, 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 no. We look for our reward from God as he answers the prayers that we have. The requests that we put before him. So we see Jesus transitioning from some, some things that, you know, prayer, I'm cool with that. Lord's Prayer, that's good. Fasting, okay, I can, I can dabble in that. I, I can start to experiment with fasting. I can go to that place, you know. But then Jesus, as he sits across the table, he says, hey, look, let's talk about some real stuff that affects us all in a major way. He said, let's talk about money, right? Let's talk about money. Listen to me on this. Where you spend your money is the exact location of your heart. That's the emphasis we want to think about. Where you spend your finances, there you will find your heart. That is the exact location of your heart. If you look at your budget, you'll see, right? Are you with me? If you look at your bank account, you will see. This will make more sense in just a moment. Jesus spoke about these things. Some of these things were positive and some of these things were negative. The positive things, he says, use money for the Lord's work. There are many verse references that you would have seen on your screen if this thing wasn't possessed by the devil today. Okay, many references, but I will give them to you and I'll even share my notes with you if you would like them later because I would love for you to keep these in your heart and in your mind. 
Because we're doing 323. Listen, having the right heart when you give is so important. Because we're doing this for the Lord's work. This is a positive thing. Talking about Mark 12, 41 through 44, the poor widow given all that she had and she gave the most. Luke 8, 1 through 3, when we see Jesus being supported and his disciples as he went out, he was even supported. Think about this. Did you hear about Jesus working after he went into ministry? I really, did you see that anywhere in the Bible? Because if I did, I may be wrong on this. Even Jesus needed financial support. Are you with me? Even Jesus was so committed to the mission that God had placed over his life, he was willing to step out by faith too. Okay? And what happened is people invested in their ministry in such a way it enabled them to go. Okay? In such a way it enabled them to go. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 talks about giving and specifically tithing to the church as well. This was God's idea. So that like what we do, how we use these funds to progress, to push forward God's mission within this community. Also use money. This is a, this is a positive thing to help the poor and needy. Luke chapter 10 few verses in there and understanding of that you take nothing with you when you leave this earth. So make sure that you're willing to give it away. The good Samaritan who lost everything was beaten on the road and many people passed by, right? Even those religious folk, it was the guy that was willing to put him up in the hotel was the one who did the right thing. Are you with me? And understanding that we are to give to the poor, to help the needy. And the rich young man, Luke 18, given to the needy, he said, what what, would I sell everything? Because do you love this more than you love them? Jesus is setting the perspective. He sits across the table and he's saying these things. Another positive thing, using money to contribute to your community. Not skipping out on temple tax, but also not skipping out or skipping out on your taxes that you're supposed to give to your community. Right? You can go to jail for that, by the way. Did you know that? Tax evasion is really not a good idea. Okay? It's really, listen, if you hear anything today, don't, I'm just kidding. No tax evasion. But Jesus was saying, whose who's face is on that coin? Well, give it back to him if it's his. Give unto Caesar what is his, right? Are you with me on this? These are positive things. But there's a flip side to this coin even so that Jesus says some negative things that we want to think about this morning. The negative things where we depend, this is a positive part, but depend on God more than our resources. Sometimes we depend on what we have. That's the negative side more than what he has for us. Luke 12, 22 through 34. Trusting God more than trusting yourself. And also a negative thing is investing in ourselves. We do that a lot. We'll invest in ourselves versus investing in someone else. It's so important that we remember this. This is something for me super convicted about this week. When I was back in Ellicott City, you know, things were were pretty easy for us financially, okay? We, We weren't in harm's way. We weren't freaked out about this or that. All the bills were being paid. You know, we had this, that, all the comforts and blah, blah, blah. And I remember when I was back in Ellicott City, it was a lot easier for me to pull up to a gas pump. Okay, listen to me. A lot easier for me to pull up to a gas pump and be obedient to the Holy Spirit when he said, put $20 worth of gas in that person's tank. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? It was a lot easier for me to to listen to the Holy Spirit when things were easier. Are, Are you getting the human condition here? And I would, I would invest in others more than myself. I would even put myself sometimes in a, in, a, in a difficult situation so that we could help somebody else. And you know what happens sometimes in life, and this is where I've been so convicted over this last week preparing for this service, it is wanting to preserve myself more than help build others. And I felt convicted, bad, 
because it's been a tough few years, right? You move, you leave all this stuff, all the stability and all this, and everything's up in the air, and you freak out. And what you do is you end up trusting yourself more than you trust in him, and then you end up investing in yourself more than you invest in others. And I got afraid. I got scared. So we're at Chick-fil-A this week, and I'm sitting there in line, and you got to love Chick-fil-A. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Never mind, I'll, I'll stop. Uh, Chick-fil-A. And they have these canisters that sit on the countertop. The Chestnut Mountain Ranch, an amazing ministry in Morgantown, which helps young boys to, to just have life again, literally. And so many times I buy my chicken sandwich, number one, no pickle, of the devil, get those things off there, no pickle, <laughs> add me some Colby Jack, large size that, half sweet, half unsweet, mm, waffle fry, hallelujah. They're not open on Sunday, so you can't get in trouble now. And I get the Polynesian sauce. Kara knows this. I get the Chick-fil-A sauce. And then I get the Sriracha sauce. I mix all three on top of the bun. I mix it together, make a nice look like this. Okay, and then I set my three. Listen, I'm, I'm nuts, so I set the three right there. And then I can take my fries and go, beep, 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 bam, ma, Chick-fil-A. Half sweet, half unsweet. The world is a beautiful place. These canisters are on the countertop. In the corner, you'll see the one on Patterson. You'll see this opportunity to invest in the chest. How many times have I walked by that in the past three years and done nothing whatsoever? A lot. But this week, I knew what I had in my pocket. And I, and I look, I'm not going to tell the amounts, but I knew what I had in my pocket. And I had an opportunity and a choice to make. Would I give less of what was in my pocket or more what was in my pocket? There was different denominations of money within my pocket. And the Holy Spirit said, do the big one. Because I'd failed so many times. I wanted to preserve myself. Are you with me here? This is just being real with y'all. I wanted to preserve myself because I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know this. I don't know that. Jesus is saying, listen, trust in me, man. Trust in me on this. As he sits across the table from me and he says, listen, trust me. Trust me. Trust God on this, disciples. Trust God on this, people, because he is the one who made you and he is the one that will sustain you. What is money to someone who owns everything? Nothing. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's challenging us to invest in others more than ourselves. Don't use money to have power over others as well. This is a negative thing that folks do. Remember that servant in Matthew 18, 23 through 34, who received grace, but then when he went out, he said, listen here, I got free from my debt, but you need to pay me everything right now. And if you don't, you're going to jail. What's up with that? All of a sudden you get some freedom and you get some grace and now you got some money back in your pocket and now you're going to lord over someone else that owes money to you or not even people that owe money to you. Maybe people that are less fortunate than you. We don't ever want to use this money thing as an ability to lord over people only to invest in others. Matthew six nineteen through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, this is the key, there your heart will also be, right? There will be your heart. The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eyes are healthy. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what was Jesus saying? Verses 19 through 21, be, be aware 
of where your treasure is. Be aware of where your treasure is, the sand. Your treasure, where is it? Because you'll find your heart in that place, Jesus is saying. Are you with me? Where that treasure is, is where your heart will be. He also said, verses 22 through 23, be careful as to what you desire because it can consume you. I remember when I was a college student, and uh, I, so I, I, I really had a problem back in the day. Let me tell you my problem. Matt's like, where's this going to go? Too many cars. I would switch a car like dirty underwear, okay? I'd have it for like three months and be like, I need something different. I want something different, something more fun, something this. Anybody else understand that when you were younger? Anybody else do that? Nobody? It was a problem. We'll talk about it later, okay, Matt? Can, can we talk? Maybe we can help each other walk through this, okay? But I needed a K5 Blazer. Anybody know what those are? Square body, GMC, big jacked up, you know, it was all. I just needed it. I needed that thing because, I mean, I only lived two and a half hours from my house. That's only a hundred and some miles and some change, and it's great on gas. It's a perfect college vehicle. Are you stupid? But guess what? I wanted that thing so bad, guess what I did? I got it. I got it. And I had it for probably three months, and I didn't want it. Because I started going to the gas tank, and it would literally, wouldn't pass a gas station without pulling in for some reason. It would just pull right in there, okay? And I was like, this was a bad decision. See, sometimes we want things so bad, so possessions, that it consumes us. And before you know it, that possession consumes you. You see what I'm saying? And we got to be careful with this stuff because this is our treasure. This is our heart. This is a possession. Do you possess them or do they possess you? Right? Are you with me? I love tiny houses. Anybody else love tiny houses? They're so awesome. Shut it. I love them. Less is more. And you think about it when you live in a home and you accumulate stuff. We've been purging over the last week, just stuff. My my mother-in-law, I love you, Joni, but things ends up in our house that should have probably not ended up there. And then my mom ends up this stuff. And I'm like, ah, and Kara's crying and in a corner, just, you know, in a fetal position. (laughs) Consumed by stuff sometimes, right? Understanding that less is more because we'll have more to give away to help others in this way. They won't possess us. We will possess them. Not others, but things. Be alert as to who masters your life. Is God the master, the one who holds eternity in his hand, or is money the thing that is temporary, mastering your life? Jesus is saying, look, guys, be real on this in your life. You've got to get real with this because this is real stuff that you need to talk about. And the last thing is this. He says, we've covered so much ground in talking to God in prayer and fasting and willing to give things up so much so that I was able to talk to you about money, okay? But now I'm going I'm to finish with this. And this is very important because this is the place where you will find yourself many times, guys. Remember, he's sitting across the table saying, this is the place that you will find yourself. And guys, us in this room, this is the place we find ourselves many times. He says this, don't worry. Again, paraphrasing, rather Learn to seek God in all things. These key verses you see. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. But seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. We see Matthew 6, 25 through 34. You see it on your screen. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, about your body, what you will wear. I don't know about you guys, but in the morning, I worry about wearing clothing, okay? Because nobody wants to see this, okay? Let's just be real. But he's saying it in a different way here. 
It's, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Last night we were up on the roof and I saw where a bird was fed by another bird. Feathers everywhere. Okay, God provided even on the roof. Okay, but he provides. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I would say yes, but Jesus says no. Okay. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's saying what I make is more beautiful than what Solomon would have had. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When I sit across the table from Jesus and I hear these words, I'm like, you're wrong. Do you ever feel that way? You're wrong, Jesus. He's like, no, I wrote it in red. No, they did. But you're wrong. <laughs> There's enough worry for today that I can think about tomorrow and think about tomorrow and the day after that day and the day after that day. And I can put all that worry in today and figure it all out. I can chart it out. I can make a spreadsheet. I'll call in somebody and say, I need Excel spreadsheets now because we got to do this, 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 and that. And he's like, no, 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 no. Chill out, bro. Listen, who are you at the table with? Me? Or are you at the table with a spreadsheet guru? He's saying, listen here, calm down. I want to tell you some things. Life is more than food and drink. Life is more than food and drink. Life is more than clothing and possessions. Life will be more when you learn to seek God first. Look around you, man. Look, just look. And I wonder what was happening around them. Was it like little flowers just waving in the distance? And maybe somebody was frolicking too. That would just really be picturesque as Jesus tells them to look. Is this all just working? Yeah, because God is making it work together. And he will do the same for you. When we worry, Matt, you and your dueling banjos could come up and about fell. When we worry, we're not trusting God. This is where I was like super convicted this week. When we worry, we're not trusting God the creator and sustainer, but you got to let him sustain you. When we worry, we're not living this day to the fullest. What happens when you don't live this day to the fullest? You may miss your divine appointments. You may miss opportunities that you have to invest in the Chestnut Mountain Ranch, or you may miss the opportunities that you have to speak life into somebody's situation at your workplace. You will miss the moments where you were Jesus's hands and feet because you were too concerned and consumed about tomorrow. You may miss God's daily provision in your life. You know, when Jesus sent them out, he said, take nothing with you. Why did he say that? Because he was setting them up to help them understand that God will provide for you every day what you need. When we worry about tomorrow, we'll miss what he's trying to provide for today so that we can have this, this, this story that we can share with others and encourage them. When we're not living this day to the fullest, you may miss God's plan for this day. You don't want to miss that. 
because you're consumed with worry. Worry is like, I'm telling you, it's like a confining prison underground, away from light, away from people, away from everything. And it robs you and steals you of all the joy for this day because you're too worried about what's happening next. Truly living today helps you not be consumed by the worry about tomorrow. Truly living today helps you not be consumed by the worry about tomorrow. When we worry, this is the last thing. We're not allowing God to build faith and trust in us. When we worry, we're not allowing God to do the complete work in our lives. Again, when I studied these things and read these scriptures this week, I looked in the mirror and I didn't see Jesus. I saw Justin. I saw me, the one that I count on more than him. Well, you're, you're a leader. You, gotta have, you have to have answers. You, you have to make sure that decisions are made and that, that things are taken care of. So what are you going to do, Justin? What do you want to do, God, is the question. Do you really trust him? Are you with me? With your prayers. Do you really trust him knowing that he's listening? Do you really, are you really, really, really willing to give up? And you'll see these things, what Jesus is saying. Prayer is the intimacy factor in your relationship with God. Are you willing to enter into that? Fasting looks at what we want and how bad we want it. Are you willing to look at this? Where you spend your money again is the exact location of your heart. Are you willing to think this way? Are you willing to say, I'm not going to worry? Rather, you see this, learn to seek God in all things. Human nature, 101. Let's not lean on our own understanding, but lean on him. So we're getting ready to sing this morning. And uh, Matt's going to start with a song to stand. And as I was prepping this week, I was just, I like to listen to worship as I do that. And this song came on, I was just like, so often I try to stand on my own, on my own two feet, build life, make it happen, and not trust God. And the problem is with that, the negative to that is that I'm going to stand before him one day and I'm going to have to give account for how I stood here, for my standing on earth. The thing is, he's a good father that is gracious and, and will help me through this. But if I don't change in the process, if we don't change in the process, I will have to stand accountable for even more things that I didn't trust him for. Think about what's on the other side of that trust. Think about what's on the other side of that dependence upon him. I don't know about you guys, when I understand that God has it under control, it takes the worry factor and removes it from my life in a major way. When I don't seek him first and I seek myself first, I try to find the best solution possible with what I have in my hands and I have nothing. But when I seek him first, he gives the solution. Number one, eternity with him, but also an understanding that he will provide for what I need today. It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. Because for so long, we've counted on us. Get your good job. Make your money. Build your home. Build your family. Do you. Do your thing. But what he's saying is, look, give me everything. As I sit across the table from you, put it on the table. Let's work through it. And we'll put it back together and I'll give you what you need. Trust me.